You're about to listen to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. At the Democratic National Convention, Joe Biden sets out his plan for America's future, pledging to bring an end to the season of darkness, which surprises President Trump, as that's what he's been calling Black Lives Matter in private. The UK's national debt hits two trillion for the first time. Thanks to a bumper harvest of magic money trees, the Tories have spent the entire year fertilising with their own bullshit. After a suspected assassination attempt, Russian doctors claim to find no trace of poison in the body of opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who the Russian government insists remains suicidal, despite being in a coma in hospital. And finally, 750 million genetically modified mosquitoes are to be released in Florida, because fuck it, why not? It's 2020, and at this point, we're basically living the plot of The Cabin in the Woods. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another freshly birthed episode of IC News. Sit back and relax as we put on an adult nappy to absorb the seepage and waddle over to the media hob to fry up the placenta of journalism with some nice, fresh, unbiased onions just for you. Here at the network, we don't just bring you the news from our own reality here on Earth Prime. You'll also get spin and insight from the maelstrom of alternate Earths throughout the multiverse. It's not just Labour and Tories, Republicans and Democrats. And no, I don't mean that the Liberal Democrats count too. If there's a parallel political party with some prescient perspicacity to proffer for your propoundment, you'll hear about them here first. Let's just take, for example, the news that's been happening here in our own dimension. Somewhere out there, there's an alternative Earth where gross incompetence in our current government, or active corruption, say, I don't know, in a housing scandal or a blatant flouting of your own lockdown measures, results in an actual fucking sacking or resignation. Not here, of course. We don't do that sort of accountability in government anymore, and nobody demonstrated that better this week than our current education secretary and part-time silent movie villain Gavin Williamson. You may have noticed, but results day for A-level students last week was a giant fucking Eton mess, ironically for just about everybody who doesn't actually go to Eton. That disruption continued this week, as thousands of BTEC students found their results postponed as part of the ongoing chaos. Danny Sutcliffe is joining us in the studio today to discuss the latest developments. Afternoon, my mate. What an absolute fucking mess it's been. I'm almost impressed. You've got to actively concentrate on cocking up this badly. Here was me thinking Nick Clegg was the only politician with a hippo dick thick enough to fuck over 300,000 teenagers at once. I'm sorry, what was that? Hippo dick. You know, it's like hypocrite, but with a penis. 
I've been learning about metaphors. This GCSE stuff's fascinating. Kind of makes me wish I hadn't spent my teenage years huffing paint in the B&Q warehouse. Okay, let's, uh, let's just try and focus on the task in hand, shall we? I believe you're here to talk about Gavin Williamson. I certainly am. He's had a rough week, bless him. But he's a Nosferatu little fucker, and he's tougher to kill than he looks. Now that might seem remarkable to you, given the utter bloody mess results day turned out to be last week. Well yeah, I suppose it's a little baffling that he's kept his job, but I expect the government's logic on this one is that the U-turn he made has at least reversed the damage caused by the moderation process. Yeah, they say that, but it's too little too late for a lot of kids, isn't it? They've already missed out on their first choice uni places. And let's not forget that no kid in a private school whose grades got inflated is going to be appealing what they've been given. The idea that the injustice has been corrected is all smoke and mirrors. There's still a whole generation of little Barnaby von Pifflingtons that this fuck-up has just catapulted onto life's fast track. So you're saying the government hasn't fixed this mess, then? Of course it fucking hasn't. Ditching the moderation process was the right thing to do, obviously, but for a lot of uni places, the damage has been done. But never mind all that, it's all forgivable, thanks to this government's remarkable ability to manage the crises they create. Crises. You what? Crises. If you're working on GCSE English, it's the plural of... You know what, never mind. What are you on about, managing the crises they create? This has been an absolute farce. I don't think anyone's claiming the government have handled it well. Well, no, of course not. But the real skill of this government isn't in governing, is it? They shite at that. The secret to their tenacity lies in the sheer fucking brass neck they show when they inevitably mess things up. Oh, by the way, I think this is probably as good a time as any to let you know that I was drunk when I drove here today and I crashed into your car when I was parking up. It's fucking totaled, pal. Are you serious? As serious as I've ever been, mate. I am contrite and sincere, and I am deeply sorry for the hurt and distress that this unfortunate set of circumstances has caused for you. (sighs) Right, okay, I see what you're doing. Yes, very clever. Can we focus on the story, though, please? What are you on about? Well, you're mirroring Gavin Williamson, you know, talking about circumstances as if they weren't the direct consequence of your own decisions. I'm very sorry you feel that way, my friend. Yes, very good. That's typical too for the Conservatives, apologising for the victim's emotional response rather than the actions that directly caused it. You can rest assured I will do all I can to support you in this difficult time. Yes, yes, placations and reassurances, even though this difficult time was only ever your fault in the first place. Apart from paying for the repairs. I'm not doing that. Also, I haven't got insurance. Look, I think your metaphor may have veered off course at this point, Danny. Well, that's very easy to do when you're pissed. This isn't a metaphor, is it? You've actually crashed into my fucking car. Yes. I'm not sure you really understand how metaphors work, mate. Get the fuck out. Will do. I'll, uh, I'll just grab an expenses form for the desk on the way out. I'm going to need to get a cab home. Oh, and thanks for not firing me, by the way. Well, why would I? Apparently nobody gets fired anymore, regardless of how badly they fail to perform even the most basic functions of their fucking job. Still not sure that's a metaphor, pal. It's probably more of an allegory. Goodbye, Danny. See you, mate. Same time next week, yeah? (sighs) It wasn't just the ongoing saga of students' results causing headaches for the government this week. 
Staring down the barrel of a potential glut of tenant evictions and facing pressure from Labour, this week Boris Johnson put himself front and centre of the government response and... <laughs> and I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, he's still on holiday and nowhere to be seen. Trying to find the Prime Minister on this week full of embarrassing Tory controversies has been like trying to find a prick in a haystack. The financial impact of lockdown has hit a lot of renters hard over the last few months, but for now, by extending the ban on evictions this week, the empty can of money has at least been punted down the road until September. Alison June-Smith has been travelling the multiverse in search of a solution to Britain's housing crisis. Housing. We all need it, we all want it. And if you don't own your own, you can pretty much guarantee that the boomer who rents your home out to you spends most of his afternoons grumbling about your entire generation's work ethic, even though it's the three jobs you work hard at over a 55-hour week that allow him to sit on his grumbling ass and collect a check every month in the first place. For a whole generation of people, owning your own property is now a distant pipe dream like a second season of Firefly, or a competent government. Sorry guys, but Wash and Shepherd Brook are dead. As dead as your hopes that your letting agency are ever going to do anything about the black mold in the back of your built-in wardrobes. For many people in the UK, the complete insecurity of their housing situation is a huge source of stress. In January this year, Shelter and YouGov jointly reported that one in four UK renters have felt physically ill with stress and anxiety over their housing worries. In the face of the novel coronavirus pandemic, up to 227,000 private renters have fallen into arrears, meaning that anxiety has now gone through the very roof over their head people are worrying about. The impact of lockdown has meant that many people's financial situations are now so visibly unstable that Britney Spears' dad could try and use it as an excuse to exploit them for the next 12 years. This week, Labour called on the government to extend the ban on evictions they had imposed in the face of the pandemic. The government have since pivoted to address Labour's concerns because last-minute policy changes that panic the shit out of everybody are just how the UK functions now. We're staring down the barrel of a homelessness crisis here on Earth Prime, but why is our housing situation in the UK so utterly fucked, and what can we do about it? In simple terms, it's an issue of supply and demand. We haven't been building enough homes to keep up with our expanding population for years now, meaning that house prices have continued to go up and buyers have continued to be priced further out of the market. Like all things truly evil and dysfunctional, it goes back to Thatcher and her mass sell-off of social housing in the 80s. Since then, Budget cuts and policy decisions have left public bodies reluctant to invest in large-scale housing projects. The assumption was always that the private sector would move in to fill the gap. But what do you know? When profit is the primary motivation, it doesn't work that way. Landowners and developers have generally been holding on to the country's limited potential building sites as assets until the demand price for the land is high enough. Low-cost social housing just isn't a priority for the free market, and it never will be. 
Boris Johnson's response to that has been an apparent bonfire of planning regulations to encourage house building with a promise from Robert Jenrick that we can trust him on housing. Yeah, I know. That Robert Jenrick. The same asshole who tried to actively help the Daily Express douchebag avoid building low-cost housing in his tower Hamlet's development. When it comes to housing, the Tories want us all to trust him enough to reach into the box of popcorn they've clearly stuck their dick in. Johnson's reforms are a developer's charter, and they threaten to kill off the very agreements that force property companies to build social housing in the first place in return for planning permission. The UK's rental crisis is a complicated problem. So I've been traveling the multiverse in search of a solution, and I think I might have found one. This is Earth Tango Landlord Deposit Fraud 15. And I'm talking to Chris, who's just bought his very first home. Chris, I've got to ask. You're a single guy on a single income. How did you ever afford the deposit? What's a deposit? You know, the 5 or 10% of a house's value that you need to spend years scraping together in order to reassure the bank that you can afford a mortgage. Oh, Well, that sounds fucking mental. We don't do that here. The mortgage is 500 a month. I just needed to show them that I'd been paying 600 a month in rent for a year. If you haven't missed a payment, they'll give you the mortgage. Really? Is that it? Why? How does it work where you're from? Honestly, I don't even want to fucking talk about it. (laughs) It stresses me out too much. I'm Alison June-Smith, constantly out of breath thanks to all the moles she's been breathing in. Reporting. For IC News. Now, as new lockdown measures were introduced for Oldham, Pendle and Blackburn this week, it's beginning to look an awful lot like testing and tracing hasn't been quite the resounding success the government had hoped for. As the vague promise of a public inquiry into the UK's coronavirus response dances provocatively on the horizon, the Conservatives have been loading all of their sins onto the underfunded goat of public health England recently. This week, they finally shoved it out into the desert to die, with Matt Hancock proudly announcing it would be pulled apart and reformed under a new remit and new leadership. It's a decision that's attracted more than a little criticism. But here at IC News, we're all about balance, which is why we've given this story to our Conservative correspondent, the nauseatingly deferential Sebastian Forlock. Sam, and may I once again reiterate just how marvellous it is to be asked back to contribute to this wonderful show's reportage. You are truly a wise and benevolent benefactor to the important cause of impartial media coverage. As an out and proud member of the true blue conservative family, it means a lot to us to be allowed a platform from which we may stand our ground against the constant misinformation of the violent left. It's been a typically disingenuous week with regard to the government's glorious achievements, and the response to Mr Hancock's announcement was no different. 
Public Health England is to be dissolved like so much common aspirin and reconstituted into a strong new body under the noble and capable leadership of Baroness Dido Harding. Daddy, be careful, please. Not in the mouth right now. I'm trying to work here. <laughs> the feverish response from the panicky little commies who wouldn't recognise the government pivoting to respond to a crisis if it snuck up behind them and seized their means of production has been bothersomely predictable. I can practically hear their bleating from here. This is an obvious attempt to scapegoat Public Health England for the government's own failures. Dido Harding is an unelected and unqualified bureaucrat who not only oversaw the complete failure of the National Test and Trace program, she was also a disaster when she worked for Talk Talk. This is yet another move away from local expertise that has been demonstrably more effective at contact tracing to an overly opaque, inefficient and centralised system held by political appointees with no relevant expertise. Well, blah, blah, bloody blah. It goes without saying that these complaints are absolute piffle. I... Like the government and Mr. Hancock himself, who is a handsome and capable gentleman whose hands are absolutely not drenched in the blood of thousands, have full faith in Miss Harding. Who better to understand just how Public Health England have failed than a woman who has experienced so much failure firsthand? Who better to have the courage to change tack and be responsive to a crisis than a woman whose initial courses of action were so horrendously misguided that they've now been junked completely? Who could possibly be more qualified to lead this new service and reinvigorate the passions and work ethic of Public Health England's former staff than the very woman who ignored their expertise entirely in favour of shunting the responsibility for testing and tracing onto ineffective private companies like Serco? <laughs> Daddy, that tickles. You are naughty. <laughs> <clears throat> It's becoming increasingly obvious that this government is going to find it difficult in future to ever appoint their chums from school to lofty and well-paid bureaucratic positions without hippies and socialists getting into a right tiz about it. That's absolutely shameful. And the suggestion that jobs like chair of the new National Institute for Health Protection ought to go to qualified professionals is just the left's hypocrisy in action. Where's the social mobility they love so much in the idea that you should have medical experience to helm a country's response to a pandemic? Why should amateur jockeys and baronesses who oversaw the biggest data leak and resultant fine in Talk Talk's history miss out on opportunities like that? Hmm? Oh, what's that, the left? Cat got your tongue? Course it has. Check and mate, you absolute rotters. It is absolutely unforgivable that our wonderful government continues to receive no appreciation from an ungrateful public for its openness and accountability. Just five minutes ago, all the plebs wanted a public inquiry and someone to blame. Well, now the government has given them the whole of Public Health England before we've even had that inquiry, and they're still not satisfied. For goodness sake, Britain... 
What more could you want than an expensive and disruptive organisational reshuffle of our entire pandemic response in the middle of a national crisis? An efficient, functional test and trace programme that allows us to ease out of lockdown don't be fucking daft, you don't solve a problem by striving to achieve its well-established solutions. You solve it by scapegoating the nearest possible dysfunctional quango and then appointing the woman who actually made all the mistakes you're blaming it for to head up its replacement. Let's, 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 let's just drop the negativity, shall we? I'm sure this new initiative, like everything Mr. Hancock and Dido Harding have done over the past few months, will be a roaring success. I'm Sebastian Forlock, naked and buried in the dirt in Dominic Cummings' garden, with just his face and honey-coated genitals exposed to the elements, reporting for IC News. Ooh, that tickles, Daddy. What? What are those? They're awfully large for fire ants, Daddy. For where on earth did you import them from? I, oh God! Ah! Oh! Oh! The many stinging pincers of fate! Ah! Ah! I know! I know my place, Daddy. I know my place. Ah! Sebastian Forlock there, actually being treated with more respect by the Conservatives than most of the country. His report brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Former Trump adviser and 28-day dry-aged manatee corpse Steve Bannon is charged with fraud over a fundraising campaign for the president's Mexico border wall, because racists just love playing throw the money at the con man. The website for booking driving tests in the UK reopens and then immediately crashes, which is of course a major fail. Trade talks with Japan hit a stumbling block as Liz Truss insists blue cheese be included in the deal, inadvertently creating a brand new idiom. She couldn't sell Stilton to the Japanese is now the etymological opposite of she could sell ice to an Eskimo. And finally, a Swiss town has been coated with cocoa powder following a malfunction in the ventilator system at a lint factory. For the love of God, though, don't Google filthy European chocolate explosion unless you've got parental controls enabled on your web browser. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, can we reach more people and build a larger audience? Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.